Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and it feels good to be back on a regular basis doing this every Friday. I know there have been some complications this year, but that's because this year has already, in the space of under two months, been the absolute raging shits. Uh, for those of you who may not know, I have had a kidney stone since January the 14th. It is now February the 11th as I record this. And I, well, okay. So I had one and then it turned out that I had two and that one had found its way out. And now the other one as of February the 11th is still lodged in me. It's stuck, so I'm not in pain anymore, but I am having to take a medication to allow the things that need to happen in the human body to happen. And the soonest it was possible for them to schedule removal of this hideous malformation that my kidneys rebelled against me and created, my left kidney to be specific, it is my least favorite kidney, uh, they're going to have to go in and get it. And they go in where you think they go in. And March the 10th is the earliest this could happen because my urologist is booked. And, well, actually, March 3rd. But, of course, I, the only day of the week, the only two days of the work uh, week that I work every single week are Wednesday and Thursday uh, for, for the foreseeable future. Which, which brings me to a whole other issue of scheduling and what's been going on with the show. Uh, when I made the plan to start releasing the podcasts on Mondays instead of Fridays, it's because I was under the impression that I was going to be off every Monday and Tuesday. Uh, so what I would record Monday night and then put everything together and just put it up. So technically it would be coming out Tuesday probably because chances are it would come up at, you know, around midnight. Uh, but it would let me devote only one night to doing the show, which would be very nice for me and for my family. Well, I have not had a Monday off aside from the week that I was out passing the first kidney stone in excruciating pain. Uh, I have not had a Monday off since the beginning of the year because that's how my life works, folks. You make a plan and God looks down and says, <laughs> that's what you think, Buster Brown. Uh, so, yeah, that's what's happened. And I, I also came to the realization that if I plan to record and publish on Monday, then if something happens where somebody can't record or we can't do the episode that night, then it really causes a big problem. So everything is back to Fridays, same format as before, where the first Friday of the month, which uh, Audible Interlude is going to be on Friday as well now. Uh, the first Friday of the month is going to be Audible Interlude, and then the other Fridays will be regular Needless Things episodes. Uh, once things get back to normal and we can hang out again, then we will go back to four Needless Things 
uh, a month or a new needless things every week and then audible interlude as its own show uh as, as a an extra but for the time being as long as i'm having to record this way i can only record once a week it was different when the commentary crew could come over one night and that counted as a recording night but it was also as a hangout night so it was a different kind of thing uh anyway so the bottom line is even though i have not had a monday or tuesday off uh, i have also not had a wednesday or thursday off that scenario has not changed and of course the only day that my uh, urologist does surgery is wednesday so initially they tell me march the third and just with the way i would have to take days off of work that was not ideal because i'll tell you right now i don't want this guy sticking probes and implements and whatever else up my penis canal and then going right back to work so uh, i had to put it off a week so i would have more days off for myself and my penis which i am told will be bleeding uh for a couple of days to recover from this horrible invasive nightmare that's happening to me so there you go there's a little look at what's going on in the world of needless things and too much information that was needless information. That's a new segment on the show. I'm just kidding. It's not. Uh, what else have we got to talk about? This this is, uh, this to me, even though we did do episode 351, uh, this to me is kind of the first regular episode back. And I'm excited because it really is back on track. Back to Friday. Still recording Monday nights, but now I have the leeway of, of editing time, whatever else. And by the way, I've got to mention that... This week's episode was edited, not this portion, but the meat of the show, was edited by Mr. Noel Wood because we had a last-minute idea that it would be great to do a Love Songs episode for Valentine's Day. And I had already recorded what was supposed to be this week's episode, which is the Super 7 conversation with our pal Christian. Uh, that's going to go up next week. Uh, but I knew I didn't have time this week because my work schedule is even more unpleasant than it normally is, although that goes back to normal in two weeks. Uh, but I knew there was no way I would have time to deal with an episode that requires as much editing as the the playlist episodes require. And Noel stepped up. He was like, man, I, you know, I've edited podcasts for years. I can handle this. Just send me the files and I'll take care of the, I'll take care of the meat. So I did it and he got it done in like a night and had the file right back over. So please everybody, a uh, big round of applause to Noel for basically making this episode possible or, or not basically a hundred percent making this episode possible. Uh, and, and now, you know, the episode is love songs it is the needless things valentine's day playlist which i'm very excited about i enjoy these episodes quite a bit although in the future i'm going to uh we're going to try and figure out a little different way to do them but but for now uh we had a blast recording this and i think you're going to enjoy it so uh youtube have you been to the YouTube channel, the Needless Things YouTube channel? I think you should go, especially this week, because I reviewed the entire second wave of Super 7's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Ultimates. I do not normally post four reviews a week. I, I typically am trying to stick to uh, Monday and Friday. I'm sorry, Monday and Wednesday. 
uh, or two reviews a week. But since there are four figures in this wave, and I wanted to go ahead and just knock them out, uh, because I've got lots of other stuff to get reviewed, I've got a couple banked that need to go up. Uh, I've got this new 12-inch Predator from Lennard Toys that I love that's going up next week. Uh, but go check out the Needless Things YouTube channel and see the reviews of Leonardo, Shredder, Bebop, and Mutagen Man, who is the figure that caused me to start collecting this line. So that's out there. Please go check it out. Like, subscribe, share, do all the stuff you do. Uh, as well with this podcast, please like, subscribe, share, tell somebody about this. If there's a, a, a lovelorn somebody in your life and you know that they need a little bit of help with their musical taste uh, in order to learn how to woo then by all means, send this episode their way. It is just for them. All right, so moving on. Technically, this will be a part of the meat of the show because I asked the Needless Things podcast Facebook group, and if you're not in that group, you darn well should be, uh, for their favorite love songs. And here are some of the responses that we got. Uh, Brad Ladner said, The Rose. Chris DePetrillo had uh, George Michael, Careless Whisper. And I'm only, a lot of people put more than one, uh, but I am only going to read uh, one of their selections, and it's going to be the one I agree with the most, I guess. Uh, Alicia Stockton, Heaven by Warrant. Matt Higgs, Romeo and Juliet by Dire Straits. <laughs> Johnny Danger, Insane Clown Posse, Another Love Song. Uh, Arian, Baby Got Back. Mike Gordon, Prince, Forever in My Life. Gary Mitchell. Uh, let's see, I haven't heard of that. I haven't heard of that. Uh, Sinead O'Connor, Nothing Compares to You. That's the Gary pick I'm going with. Uh, let's see, Rebecca Wood, Boy Meets Girl, Waiting for a Star to Fall. Uh, Sally Eden. Okay, so she's got a number of choices on here, and I'm actually going to read more than one of hers because they're all so good. Uh, the Cure Love Song, which is possibly the greatest love song of all time. Uh, the Water Boys, The Whole of the Moon, Ed Kowalczyk and Nana Cherry, Walk Into This Room, and finally, my favorite pick of Sally's, although they're all excellent, Anthrax, Safe Home, which I can't believe I didn't put on my list. But as you'll hear... Once we get to the meat of the episode, uh, I had a little trouble with this one. I, it, it took me a while to ease into what I wanted to pick. And even once we were done recording, things kept occurring to me like, oh man, why didn't I choose this? Why didn't I choose that? So we've got years of love song episodes ready to go. Let me just tell you. Uh, our pal Wilson. Let's see, what has he got in here? Uh... Oh, I dedicate this song to us, Dave. Shags, you're something special to me. Oh, I love you too, buddy. Uh, Shwek, <laughs> Prodigy, smack my bitch up. Uh, let's see. Nathan Laws, The Offspring, Self-Esteem. Woof. You might need to talk to somebody. Uh, Chad Shonk, Beach Boys, God Only Knows. Let's see here. And that might be, that's everything we got. So you guys, thank you for contributing your favorite love songs. I appreciate the input. I always love interacting with the uh, Facebook group whenever I can. And we will try to do that even more as the year goes on and as things uh, continue to stabilize here in the Phantom Zone. So now it is time. Uh, 
open up a bottle of Cavassier or, I don't know, whatever romantic people drink. I have no idea. Crown Royal, maybe? I don't know. Uh, get your, uh, get your uh, inflatable pool full of $240 worth of pudding. Whatever it is you need to do, uh, lay back with your loved one and listen in as we give you the first official Needless Things Stupid Cupid Playlist. is in the air so joining me tonight is a sassy team of sexperts to talk about how to put the mood into your life for valentine's day that's right tonight i am joined by noel got wood oh happy valentine's day beth van doing it and doing it and doing it well <laughs> ladies and finally, the Glomania World Champion, Sexual Vanilla, Bob Burke. <laughs> I have nothing witty to reply to that. <laughs> and I am Dirty Dirty Dave. And uh, tonight we are going to be putting together a playlist with which you can entice the object of your choosing into many satisfying valentine's day activities uh are you guys ready to talk about the music that will uh flood the basements and drop the drawers oh yeah i'm already i'm already moist waiting just to talk about this so <laughs> uh well i am going to once again invoke my host's privilege to go first because this song is without a doubt on every single one of your lists, there's no way it can be denied. Uh, we're we're going to kick it off strong with... I am a man who would fight for your honor. I'll be the hero you're of. That's right. I'll take you to my castle far away. The glory of love by Peter Cetera, the greatest ballad of all time, featured in The Karate Kid Part 2, but originally written for the closing credits of Rocky IV. It did not uh, get used in Rocky IV, so it was ready to go for Karate Kid Part 2, released in 1986. And it was not only on that soundtrack, but also on Cetera's solo album, solitude solitaire which really doesn't seem like much of a a love theme for an album i think solitude solitaire and i'm not really thinking about being a man who will fight for your honor i'm thinking about being a man sitting at home alone with maybe only fans pulled up self-love is still love that's true that's very true and we we may we may see some of that tonight i'm, I'm full of self-love uh <laughs> i genuinely 
love this song i did not when i was a kid because i didn't like anything that was too like romantic or sappy or lovey-dovey or anything like that uh i did love karate kid part two i liked it more than the first one and still do but now this song is what really really puts that movie over the top because it's it is powerful peter satara's voice is one of the most beautiful sensual things in the history of the earth and i can listen to this song every day all the time i I, now i have embraced sappy lovey stuff and this is i think one of the best Uh, how do you guys feel about mr satara's contribution to the filmography of the history of karate I, I love me some Karate Kid, and I actually just watched season three of uh, of, uh, of Cobra Kai, where they revisit some of the themes from Karate Kid Part Two. So this is song has kind of been in my my purview recently as well. If they don't bring this song back in some form for Cobra Kai, especially after spoiler alert, having chosen on the show, yep. I I just feel like well not just chosen the cast uh, some of the cast of Karate Kid Part Two came back. Uh, yeah, come on, what are you doing, Cobra Kai? <laughs> Give me some Peter Cetera or even somebody covering it. Whatever, I just need some version of this song. Yeah, you know I'll, I'll throw in like I've, I I absolutely love like ballads and and like love songs and like anytime you get a good album that has like that one sappy like ballad on it that's usually my favorite track on the album and this is no exception like you're right when you said this is definitely one of the greatest like love song ballads of all time but i will say i don't i know it's from karate kid but i do not associate it with karate kid it oh. almost it's 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 almost like misplaced in a way to me oh see that to me it's i am a man who will fight for your honor that's the whole theme of karate kid part two and so then, it goes right I'll along agree with, with it. you there yeah it, it fits right in there and that's what i just related to in 1986 this song was huge it was one of those inescapable 80s tunes like you you go to the the water park or play putt putt or something and and it's there it's playing over the pa i think that's a lost phenomenon too is that there were many movies released in this time because movie soundtracks were so much more of a thing then, obviously than they are right now. Yeah. And you would often have a theme from, and then an alternate love theme from the same movie. And I believe this was, this was billed as the love theme from the karate kid part two. Yeah. I think that was the parenthetical uh, at, at the end, but, and that was the other thing is that these songs from these soundtracks would, would chart on billboard. I mean, it'd be huge hits. So, so let me ask you a quick question now. So I didn't know that it was originally slated to be with Rocky four. I didn't know that. I didn't know that until today. Okay. So, let, <laughs> okay. So, so, so we, so we all pretty much just learned that information. Let me ask you guys this, knowing this now, do you think it's a better fit for Rocky four or karate kid Two? Yes. I think it fits both because Rocky is a man fighting for America's honor. Ralph Macchio is a man fighting for a single lady's honor. I think it works for both. I think they should go back and edit it into Rocky Four and every Rocky other is, movie. Rocky Four is too full. There's too many great songs already that's in Rocky true. Four. I, yeah, that's a fair point. Which which one is Rocky Four? That's Ivan the Dorado. He defeats communism. Oh, okay. Sorry. And, and James Brown shows. They're up. all the same. It's, it's the uh, most Lundgren esque of the Rockies. Apollo dies in the ring. Oh my God. Oh, well, now you've, now you've spoiled it for me. <laughs> now, now there's no reason for us to watch it. 
it's like the best one. Come on. Art's on fire. All right. Any more? Oh. Yeah, right? Right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. We can can we just do a whole show on Rocky about Floor? That. Uh, well, yeah. actually, we we I think we have to wait because I believe our good friend Chad Shonk is starting a Rocky podcast at some point. I think it's just a Rocky Four podcast, actually. It's just about Polly and the robot. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we got to wait for that. And uh, any more thoughts? One, any more thoughts about Glory of Love? Good pick. All right, and it's time I'm to move it. on. It's a good way to start the game. To Mr. Bob Burke. Sexual vanilla here. Gonna go with um, I mention him a lot every time I do your show, Dave. Uh Alice Cooper. He usually he usually throws a ballot on every album he does. And um 2011 was no exception. He did a sequel to his album, Welcome to My Nightmare, called Welcome to My Nightmare, and it featured this ballad. I just wanna give you something to remember me by. was something to remember me by and uh, the basic premise of this album is it has the character going back into a nightmare and throughout the nightmare he actually encounters the devil who he ends up falling in love with the devil's a female in his nightmare and he falls in love with her and she's trying to kind of thwart him and get him out of the way and everything and throughout the story as he's being pushed away he wants to give her something to remember him, him by but it's actually a very just like romantic ballad that he originally wrote in the 70s for an album that never made it to the album. So he included it here. And it's just it's just one of like pure love and affection and devotion to this woman that he just wants to do nothing but care about. And she's having none of it. And that's interesting. You said it came out in 2011. Yeah. So because 70s ballads are a thing unto themselves. So to think that he wrote it in the seventies and then recorded it in 2011. That's interesting. I, it was I'm need so to check this out. So in the seventies, 1975 was welcome to my nightmare, which is a song about a nightmare. Mm -hmm. He follows that up with an album called go to hell where the character literally goes to hell. He wrote this song for that album originally, but it didn't make it um, due to the theme of the album, like the direction he took it in. So when he revisited the nightmare concept in 2011, he knew he had to use this song. And he actually got one of the guys who wrote the song with them in the seventies to play on it in 2011. Very nice. It's just a good romantic song. Um, it's one that I actually played for someone one time and, uh, you know, it was a very nice moment. It's I, I'm sure most of the listeners have never heard this before. This wasn't an overly popular album, unless you're like a huge fan. I'm sure you guys have never heard it. You go on YouTube, you want to hear a good sappy ballad by a man who usually sings about nightmares and spiders and zombies. It's probably one of his best. You, you are my sole source of late era Alice Cooper recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> I love everything, Alice. Even his little black up here in the 80s. I love it all. So, All right. Well, since you are correct and none of the rest of us have heard that yet, <laughs> it is on That's the playlist true. now. Uh, let's move on to Noel. What is your first pick? All right. Well, my first pick comes from the year 1986. Uh, this is from the debut album of this band that I first discovered watching Nickelodeon uh, in my younger years on the show Nick Rocks. My first pick. When you're following an angel, does it mean you have to throw your 
From they might be giants and the song is called she's an angel and this is a song that now this this song's meaning has been like widely debated over the years john linnell is does not talk about his lyrics very much he rarely elaborates on what his songs are about um for all i know this could very well be a literal song about following an angel um but to me i've always felt this song is about a man who is just in disbelief about this woman that he meets she's so perfect to him she's an angel and so he's in denial that this is real life um one of my favorite lines from the song is these things happen to other people they don't happen at all um beautiful melody we got uh you know, the synth accordion we got this like country slide guitar uh during the the bridges and the choruses but the the verses are just very staccato almost acapella um and you know, obviously, it's they might be giants. A lot of these, a lot of these lyrics don't really make sense. Why are the why are the Shriners lending them cars? So they can go up and down the streets a million times. Um, we don't know, um, but the the lyrics are just beautiful. the The melody is beautiful, and I cannot hear this song without getting a little little chill down my spine. And I know I got a couple of big they might be giants fans here, so I, I hope I'm not alone on this pick. That, no, this, that was on my list. Uh, <laughs> this, this was the fourth They Might Be Giants song that I considered. None of them made it to my final list because of what you said. They're so... Uh, it, if you sit and look at the lyrics, they either turn out to actually be really depressing, like they'll need a crane, which has sweet parts to it, but is really a bummer. Yeah. Or like this one where it's so esoteric that I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't, they were too open to interpretation for what I wanted for this episode, but I will say this, this uh, it's one of the strongest singular narratives of a, they might be giant song. Absolutely. Like you can, to a certain extent, follow a story with this one, whereas others jump around so much, you can't really, uh, ascribe anything to them. Like you, you could almost write a play based around this one. I, I want to see the movie that's based on this. Yeah, actually, I yeah. think I think they made it. It was called Wings of Desire, and later they remade it as City of Angels with Nicolas Cage. Oh, um, wow. But <laughs> uh, no, and I, I went back and forth on whether or not this was a song I I should put on the list. But the more I thought about it, and the fact that since we first discussed doing this list a few days ago it has been stuck in my head constantly yeah. and I, I couldn't, I couldn't not lead off with it at that point. Cause it's one of my favorite songs period. Yeah. I got to give you fantastic. huge, got to give you a huge point for mentioning Nick rocks too. Oh my God. Oh, Just yeah. Hearing that yeah. kind of blew me away. And like, yeah. if that you was really my discovery that- on a lot of, a lot of bands that I, and you know, stuff that I still love today. Cause they played weird Al Yankovic on there. They played Huey Lewis in the news on there. And those are, those are artists that I still appreciate. The monkeys were played on later. there. Yeah. The monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. I'd it seems like they played like the same, like 12 videos and that was it. It's like, it was very limited what they could actually play on Nickelodeon. Right. Right. <laughs> Excellent pick. Love that song. Any more thoughts about she's an angel? No, I'm just glad Noel got to it first, because if he hadn't, I would have. (laughs) And for all of the reasons you said, Noel. Good, good. Well, and now you've got another pick. 
All right. Well, which not is being... convenient <laughs> because it's well, no, you've got now you don't have to use that one. So you get to use something else from your arsenal and you can do so right now because it's your turn. All right. Well, not being a Peter Cetera fan, oh. I'm picking a different kind of pop song. And that song is. Like to get to know you well by Howard Jones. Because if you don't love Hojo, you are dead inside. <laughs> uh, this was a 1985 song that I believe was just released as a single. And I I'm a huge Howard Jones fan. Saw him in concert two years ago, back when I don't remember. There were concerts once upon a time. He still puts on a fantastic show. I think I probably first heard this song when I saw Better Off Dead because it, it is used during the falling in love montage of John Cusack and the French girl, whose name I always forget. But it is a fantastic, upbeat, happy love song. And there are very few of those on my list. So I thought I'd go ahead and get that <laughs> one out of the way. I know I know the song. As a matter of fact, I think it's on one of the Living in Oblivion compilation albums. Uh, but it's not coming to me right away. I wish we were, I wish we were doing it live where we were playing them as we discussed them. I wonder if there's a way to do that. I'm gonna have to look into that for next time. Yeah. I'm working on my administrative professionals day playlist. So, uh, get on that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I gotta say, you guys next? are kind of blown, like, like you guys are blowing me away a little bit because like, of course, the 80s were was probably like one of the greatest eras for this kind of music. Like the 70s and 80s is probably tops for this stuff. And that is nowhere where I thought. Like everything, every, like my entire list is mostly like newer things from artists that I love. And it's like, I don't know why I didn't go to 80s for this because literally every 80s song is like, is like this. Well, and that's, uh, that's great though, because we're all pulling from different eras and I, I found myself kind of stuck initially in sort of the same rut until I started, I don't know, this was a weird one to put together, uh, to, to choose things and figure out what, what I wanted. But now it I've is. got a and, massive list. I'm good for like now five it's like, years. Now I got more in my head though, because now I'm making 80s and it's like, do I call an audible and kind of change something up? Do I go with what I got in front of me? I'm not sure now. Oh, well, you got to mix it up. It's, that's just tough. <laughs> That's what I did. I don't even, all I've got is my list in front of me. I don't know for sure until we get to it, which one I'm going to choose, but I do know my next choice because I can go no longer without mentioning it. That's right. The legendary. The classic covered by so many people, artists such as Nancy Sinatra, Dionne Warwick, Edie Gourmet, Herb Albert, Tony Matola, Petula Clark, Dusty Springfield, Johnny Mathis, The Reels, and none other than Noel Gallagher, originally written in 1968 by the legendary Burt Bacharach. I am selecting Faith No More's cover of This Guy's In Love With You. Uh, when Who Cares a Lot came out in 1998, it's a compilation, Faith No More's quote-unquote greatest hits, which is a funny thing to say considering they basically had like one hit. 
but uh, it is it is the best of Faith No More. I had never heard all I had heard at that point, and I think probably most sort of average fans in '98, you know, pre real internet, we had heard easy. So between that and between just all of the albums up to that point, because it, by then everything had come out that we would hear for a long, long time, we knew that Mike Patton had a range, but to hear him cover this song live and the only attribution on that album is live doesn't say where it was recorded which concert it was from or anything it's just live uh although they did perform it quite a bit if you go to youtube right now you can find a dozen live performances of this song but uh i still wasn't in 1998 22 years of age much of a sappy lovey kind of guy uh wasn't listening to a lot of stuff like that but when faith no more does it you have to appreciate it and this blew me away uh this performance is so soulful the power he puts into it um you know roddy on the the keyboards uh just it's incredible it's beautiful it's one of my favorite performances uh, favorite recorded live performances uh, and it, it's a wonderful song and what's interesting about it is this version was not selected by the band who cares a lot was put together by the record label the band had nothing to do with it so we might not have a legit good recording of this song if it were up to faith no more uh, because there are a lot of ballads that they've done and only played live but it's a phenomenal song from all of the artists who have done it, whether it's this guy's in love with you or this girl's in love with you. Uh, but this version, it, to me, just because Faith No More is my favorite band of all time, uh, and I think Mike Patton's incredible, I, I love this version. It's amazing. I had a bet with myself whether or not you were going to manage to get a Faith No More song on this list. Of course. <laughs> so I get, I get to course. pay myself a dollar. But, but I, went for, <laughs> I went for the genuine love song yes. and not... <laughs> some other options that were out there. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a great, this is a great choice. It's one that I wouldn't have thought of even when thinking about, about potential faith, no more songs. Cause I wasn't thinking about their covers, but yeah, I mean, they, that's one thing that they did so well is they covered so many, so many songs from, you know, genres and artists that you would not typically think that a band like faith no more would cover throughout the year. So I always appreciated that about them. Yeah, this is one I've always wanted to do is karaoke, but have never quite had the balls to do it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think this, I've got quite the same range as Mike Patton. Is this only like a live version? There's no studio version of this song. Not that I'm not that, not I that I've ever seen. Find or am aware of. And yeah, between between myself and uh, Beth's significant other, we we'd know about it if it was out there. Gotcha. Uh, and that that's kind of a thing, though. There are so many songs that they've only performed live and have never committed to, to uh, studio time to. All right. Well, if that's it for one of the most beautiful songs of all time, uh, Bob, it is once again your turn to wow us with love. All right. Well, you know what? I, as I said a few minutes ago, I called an audible. I'm changing it up a little bit. Taking oh. a cue from you from one beautiful love song to another beautiful love song. We got this. Yeah, I 
Brian Adams, everything I do, I do for you. Oh, wow. Oh, my. There's, I'll tell you what, man. This was, this was on the Robin Hood soundtrack, which, terrible movie. I'm sorry. The movie's, the movie's almost unwatchable to me, as, as most Kevin Costner movies are. I'm with you. But this song, holy shit, this has to be one of the most beautiful, most romantic songs I've ever heard in my life. Like the first time I heard, I think I was like, "Wait, what year was Robin Hood? Like 91, 92? Yeah, ninety one or two, or right around yeah. there. I was like eleven or twelve, and I was like, "Holy shit, I got to get married right now!" Like when I heard this, song. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it is it is that beautiful of a song to me, and it still holds up to this day. It really does. Um, and for even added effect, um, go to YouTube and type in the name of the song and Family Guy after it, and you get a beautiful rendition of Stewie doing a music video with singing nipples. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's 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 highly disturbing, but let's not let's not take away the credit of how incredible this song really is. (laughs) And it was and it's another one of those songs that was everywhere. It charted huge. I don't know off the top of my head, but I mean, it it was it was a massive, massive hit played on MTV all the time because, of course, the video had the clips from the movie and everything. And then the the uh, I guess the fuzzy profile of Brian Adams kind of like rotating around and stuff. If I remember yeah. correctly. Uh, yeah. It's a beautiful song. I, I mean, I, I, you're, you're lying. If you don't think it's a, a, at least a great ballad. And I, I despised you know what? the I, song when it came out, but oh, I, did too. I, I can, I can appreciate it. I mean, it was, I was in high school. So this was, th- this was the absolute opposite of what I ever wanted to listen to at the time. Yeah. Same here. Uh, but now you gotta admit oh yeah i appreciate things a lot more that i wouldn't have liked back then i'm seeing some heads shaking no yeah some of us have to admit (laughs) apparently so so no you said you were in high school when this came out i was in Mm -hmm. middle school and i'm guessing you guys were both in middle or high school also when this came out yeah we're all i would have been been in high school yeah okay so i was in um sixth or seventh grade when this came out and um probably more so for me than you guys. Cause you guys were already at the age where like you had like a little more confidence with the opposite sex. Where no. Six, seven, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you didn't know me. No, in sir. At least a little bit more than like a kid who's like 11 or 12, no. in, like, six or seventh grade. I didn't wow, get that okay. till I was like 40. <laughs> I mean, I still don't have any confidence as far as that goes, but, not, but without, but um, this song like was played at every like school dance you had where you awkwardly mm. stood off to the side, like wanting to go like ask that, that person to dance and like you just couldn't do it. So you awkwardly stood off to the side while like all the cute little boyfriends and girlfriends did get to dance. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The middle school dances, There, I think there were two of them that I ended up at and that was, while this song wasn't playing there, but I know the scenario you're talking about. Where... Glory of Love might have been playing at that one. <laughs> yeah, Glory of Love <laughs> oh, might have been yeah, playing. Yeah, you, def- you guys definitely had that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, all the, all the you and all your buddies are standing off to one side, and then all the, the single ladies are off to the other side, and in the middle, they're like the five couples. <laughs> and that one weird couple that have been dating since, like, the second grade. <laughs> yes, yes. What was up with that? That was weird. And they're probably still together to this day. Probably the only really happy couple from high school. I kind of I'm remember this to... being. I don't think so. Uh, Cause I'm thinking of a, the very, like I didn't just throw that, throw that out there. I'm thinking of a very specific couple and, and I do believe, well, you know what? Let's not get into the sort of details, but I'll just say they didn't stick it out. 
I was going to say, I, I kind of remember this being a comeback for Brian Adams because I think that's it, right. It seemed like, yeah, it, it seemed was. like forever since he was, since he was a big name. Cause it was like 85, 86. So he was really huge. Um, yeah. And when you think about it, it was only like five or six years. And that does not seem like a lot of time nowadays, but at that Back time, then it was, yeah. Five or six years between, you know, being, uh, having huge uh, pop hits was, uh, was a lifetime. It seemed. Which is funny because, you know, technically five or six years now, I don't know. That's, that's very interesting. I guess bands don't have the same because, you know, back then you kind of had to put out an album every year or at least every other year to stay relevant in any way. But now that's not really the case. It's, it's very different now. That's because now five or six years is someone's entire career. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, uh, Noel, please carry on well i'm gonna i'm gonna keep this a little traditional this round and switch up my original order um and speaking of artists that kind of went away for a long time uh, the song i'm referring to originally was released in 1977 second pick is by the Bee Gees. How deep is your love? This is legitimately one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, from the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, one of the many Bee Gees songs that appeared on that uh, song. It's, it's rich, it's textured, it's got so many layers to it. Um, the vocal melodies are, well, and really it's just, apparently it's just mainly Barry's vocal melodies layered on top of one another. Um, but if you, you know, if you, if you know the Bee Gees, you probably know them from their disco era. And this was from that era, but it was one of the few non-disco songs they had, um, on the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack that they recorded themselves. And they basically just went into the studio and they were like, play me the most perfect sounding chord you can, you can come up with. And they did. And they're like, let's build from there. And they would just keep coming up with new chords until they found something that was just as beautiful as the one they came before. Um, and apparently they did, they were not going to record this song originally uh, because as you may know about that soundtrack, they were, they wrote most of the songs on it, but there were other artists that recorded a lot of those songs. Um, Yvonne Elman, who did, if I can't have you on the same soundtrack was originally supposed to get this song, but their manager was basically like, this song is too good for somebody else to record. You have to do this um, became the biggest hit in their career. It was actually one of the only songs they had that charted over in the UK around this time. Because in the UK, unless you were uh, like novelty pop or new wave, you were not going to get on the radio. Um, and uh, so just it's kind of a, a long standing. I mean, it's it's one that you you still hear um, at you know, when, when at weddings and dances and stuff nowadays. And I don't typically want to mention cover versions because to me, the Bee Gees version is, is about as perfect as you can get. Um, but I do want to shout out from 2008 the burden the bee did a cover of this song which the reason why i love the bg's original is because of all the the layers and the you know just the different melodies together theirs is a lot more simplistic uh it's just it's just a keyboard and uh in our george's vocals and some background vocals from sia sia furler 
from about you know five or six years before she actually got really really famous so that's a it's a great cover that song if you you know if you if you're a fan of the original bg song then i i there's been a thousand covers but that's the one i would definitely uh have you seek out well you've gone far afield of my area of expertise (laughs) (laughs) this is another one like the howard jones song like i know i've heard it but i sure can't get it in my head right now which seems bizarre unless unless uh it's the uh there's a different version of how deep is your love that i'm probably thinking of i I know beth knows this because i'm sure terry has played it quite a few times for you well my my bgs is i started a joke if i'm going for (laughs) ballads and no more covers and i was getting ready to say no more version But I I like the Bee Gees disco stuff. This is not a Bee Gees song I care for particularly. I've it's funny. I've I've never actually seen Saturday Night Fever, but I've heard the soundtrack a million times. Oh yeah, it's I don't I don't even recall much about the movie, but I I love the soundtrack. So it's like a ballad, but with the falsetto. Oh yeah, weird. <laughs> 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 Well, he's blew Dave's mind. <laughs> I thought this a was a universally it. known song. I, well, and you know, it probably is. I'm, I'm sure as soon as I hear it, I'll be like, oh, that. But right now it's not jumping out at me, which uh, does sort of go back, though, to my not being a uh, natural ballad guy. It's, it's a taste I've had to acquire over the years. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of acquired tastes, Beth. Wow! I'd like to wrap up this round. That's that's how we're doing it now. Okay. <laughs> I will also switch up my list and uh, get away from my '80s picks for a minute and go with something from the late '90s. You make me hard when I'm all stuck inside. I see the truth when I'm all stupid eyed. The arrow goes straight through my. That is Nine Inch Nails, The Perfect Drug. Taking it dark now, because you knew I would. (laughs) It sounds like it's an upbeat song, at least at first, but no, it is not an upbeat song at all, because if you listen to the lyrics, this guy is slowly being destroyed by a woman, and he's kind of okay with it. (laughs) Yeah, I can relate. And he's pretty okay (laughs) with his destruction. (laughs) Uh, It's a super upbeat song, though, and it the drums on that song kick ass. And I'm not just saying that because I'm married to a drummer and have to listen to drums, but it's a fantastic song. Gorgeous video back when Trent was still relevant and easier to look at than he is now. I'd say he's pretty relevant. He's more relevant than ever now. You don't, you don't score a Disney movie when you fade it into obscurity. (laughs) I meant uh, on the pop charts, at least, or the music well, yeah, charts. That, that could be agreed with, for sure. Uh, I love that you brought this up because I actually have a very special story about this song. Because this, what soundtrack was this from? Lost Highway? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but uh, I was going i was hanging out with this guy jeff 
Jeff was introducing me to all kinds of new people and parties and places uh, that I hadn't really been around before. And the night that this video premiered on, I'm assuming MTV, we happened to be going to some friends of his place for a goth party. Now I had never been to a goth party. I had, I had, I was working at the masquerade at the time and had done the, you know, industrial night or whatever else had been to the chamber. You know, I'd been to clubs, but I had never been to a goth's home before. So Jeff and I are in his little red Dodge neon driving to the goth party. I don't know what to expect. I never know what to expect. All I know is I'm hoping there's going to be a lady there I can relate to, which was never the case. We're in black lipstick. Well, yeah. So we get there and it turns out that, that, this house we're going to first is not the actual location of the goth party. We're just going to pick up some goths. So there are two couples there and they're getting ready. And that takes a very long time for the goths. So I'm hanging out with Jeff. We're watching TV. Uh, the whole place smells like clove cigarettes. It's very, very like any stereotypical joke you could make about goths is happening in this house. There are black curtains everywhere. There's like a wreath of black roses with a crow on top of it. There's Brandon Lee posters. Like it's exactly, <laughs> it's exactly what you think it is. So we're sitting there hanging out. I probably knew these people. And yeah, probably, yes. <laughs> um, and one of the guys is like, oh, it's time. It's on. It's coming on now. Yeah, it's on right now. Okay, it's on. And they change, the, they change the channel over. And it's the world premiere of the Perfect Drug video, which, if you remember, is an awful lot of Trent Reznor in, like, a long black coat and a lot of wind holding a cane up, looking really cool and severe and dramatic. And we all sat just engrossed. I got to enjoy this video with its intended audience in it in their purest form and it was a very exciting for me i enjoyed it and uh, yes this is a fantastic song it's not one i would have put on this list but it's a great choice and and i'm glad i was able to share my memory of my <laughs> my very gothic experience it's not one that i would have ever thought of but i know knowing beth as long as i have and remembering your reaction to the song when it was first relevant uh, it's not it's not surprising at all you know love is different things to different people yep. <laughs> all right well with that it is time to move on and uh speaking of different things for different people this is a song for the ladies but fellas Listen closely. Sometimes you got to squeeze. Sometimes you got to say please. Sometimes you got to say, hey, I'm gonna fuck you softly. I'm gonna screw you gently. That's right. You don't always have to fuck her hard. In fact, sometimes that's not right to do. Sometimes you got to make some love and fucking give her some smooches too. Tenacious D <laughs> released 
the landmark self-titled album to <sighs> and this song fuck her gently is one of the greatest love songs of all time now i almost chose double team from the same album <laughs> or kilbasa <laughs> but uh this song is it's hilarious it's rude it's sweet like it's 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 a ballad in a way that only jables and rage cage <laughs> could present it uh this album was really the way that i discovered tenacious d i wasn't aware i mean i knew who jack black was obviously we'd all seen Waterworld and mars attacks by this point but this album is where i really got to know tenacious d i hadn't seen any of the hbo stuff uh were they actually on mr show they well, I know Jack Black was a couple times. I don't remember if they appeared as Tenacious D. And that's, I don't think they did. I think they were able to spin the Tenacious D stuff that they did on HBO from him being on Mr. Show. Uh, so I didn't know anything about him. Uh, and our, our pal Arian knew all about him. And uh, I was working at a record store at the time. And when this album hit, it was huge. Uh, we couldn't keep it in stock. It was selling out, which is wild for, it's a comedy album. I mean, it just is. But when you throw Dave Grohl into the mix, uh, you've got something pretty special. And this song is, uh, to me, the whole album from beginning to end is incredible. But to me, this song is the standout because it is both a hilarious comedy song, but also a genuinely well-done ballad all in one. Uh, and there's a video out there animated by somebody who I shall not name because they have since fallen out of favor with me after I discovered some sordid things about their past. But you can go check the video out, and it's pretty funny, too. This is this is the song that is, like, universally loved amongst everybody who I've ever met that's heard it before. Like, I have I have heard some of the most surprising people I could ever think of just breaking out and just belting out this song and chorus. So, uh, and you know, is... you know, every word, but by, by the yeah. like second time you've heard it, you know, every word of the song. This is another one that would never have occurred to me, but as per my last pick, this is absolutely the perfect song for you. <laughs> like this is one that if I had thought of might've been my first choice on this list. <laughs> well, and that's, what's so fun about this, uh, theme i guess is because it really is so many different things to so many different people we all have uh at different stages of our lives different songs like this have probably meant different things to us so as opposed to christmas songs where there's kind of a big pool of them this is something where i think your personal taste and experience is going to influence your choices even more than some of our other themed shows well, and it's a very it's a much more subjective subject what what yes. defines a love yeah. song yeah because that's that's one thing i was going back and forth with was like is this is this a love, does this count i don't know well they'll so that, that's that eliminate a lot of songs on my list i mentioned they'll need a crane before mm -hmm. and that was the one that i really thought about whether or not i was going to include because i really really wanted to but in the end like i said it was just it was too much of a bummer as much as it fits in a way it just didn't make it 
Whereas this one is just an uplifting romp. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. Bob, what is your third pick? I don't know how I can follow that. Um, <laughs> no. Um, uh, 70s band Cheap Trick had a lot of uh, hits early on in their career and then kind of fell fell from grace a little bit and kind of had a, a couple of failures in a row. But 1988, they released this song. That is The Flame from 1988's album, The Lap of Luxury from Cheap Trick. Uh, this was considered their big comeback, and it's their only number one song they've ever done. This is probably, like, I'd say my top five favorite ballads of all time, easily. Like, to the point where, like, I, I own Lap of Luxury, but then, like, I seek out just buying, like, the Greatest Hits album just so I can have, like, another version of it. I have, I bought it on iTunes, like, I... Every way possible to buy this song, I own it. Just I love it that much. You know why I can't why I can't get on board is because my mom fucking loved this song, <laughs> loved it. <laughs> so it's already everywhere. But then I get home from school and it's there too. I'm just like, okay, I'm, no, done. Never want oh, to hear cheap so, trick again. It's so it's good though. And like Robin Zander has always had one of those kind of like melodic, like slightly depressed voices. But you can really hear the emotion and like the genuine love he has for this person he's singing about in this song. And that's what like what, what really like resonated with me. It's like to be that like that in love with someone. It's like you can really you can hear it coming through the lyrics. And a lot of times with like power ballads like this, they come up with something very fake. And to me, this one just doesn't have like that, that yeah, fake yeah, yeah. emotion behind it. You're right. It yep. would it would absolutely fit in on any like power ballads compilation. Oh yeah. But I don't think of it that way because you're right. The sincerity is different from like a meatloaf song. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's almost Not like that there's anything wrong with meatloaf. I was oh, going to no, say a meatloaf, meatloaf there's almost emotion in a meatloaf song. Yeah, well, yeah. But he's, he is very operatic. So everything that he does to me is very performed. It's very bombastic. Yeah. Theatrical Whereas and, this, yeah. this is. There's nothing over the top of about I would do anything for love. You <laughs> no, are not at all. <laughs> it's very refined. This was, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this was really my introduction to Cheap Trick. I'm sure I'd heard earlier Cheap Trick stuff before, considering the fact that I was a big fan of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I guess I just didn't put it together. But this came out in, in 88 when. I was watching a lot of dial MTV where they would do like the, the, the daily countdown of the most requested songs. And it yeah. was in the list was almost always hair metal and hip hop. That was, it was like, it was like DJ Jeff and the Fresh Prince and Def Leppard and poison was made. The, the, and then this song came out and it was a huge power ballad. And really it was as somebody who's still kind of appreciating power ballads and, and big, like big rock stuff like that. I love this song and I wound up buying this album right away. And as soon as I heard the, their cover of don't be cruel, I was just, I fell madly in love with cheap trick at that time. That's um, an awesome cover too. Yeah. But, and but that's where I first heard them and I didn't realize it until you said it just now. I hadn't even heard. I want you to want me or, or hadn't 
connected it to anything that cover of don't be cruel was where i first was like oh cheap trick they're a band they're a thing i need to look into this yeah this is one i still crank every time i hear it come on the radio uh, you have to yeah and, it's like, top tier and again getting back to his voice too like like robin zander has a very specific voice with his songs and his singing but it's almost like like his voice kind of like breaks in this song a little bit and it's like he sings outside of his comfort zone with the song and to me that's what really gets the emotion across why it's just so like unique and special compared to almost anything else they've ever done even up to this day absolutely all right Noel. all right so coincidentally enough i'm gonna stick with the same year for my next pick 1988 so for my third pick. One Saturday I took a walk to zip her head. I met a girl there and she almost knocked me dead. Oh brother, please look at me. What do you see? Let's travel around the world, just you and me, punk rock. Probably the biggest uh, single of their career from the album Beelzebubba. This is the Dead Milkman's Punk Rock Girl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which is probably the purest nursery rhyme level song about boy meets girl teenage love um if if you're not familiar with this song it's it's a narrative structure protagonist meets a girl at a very famous philly clothing store which has changed its name because it was very racist at the time uh asks her if she's taken he then takes her out to a pizza place to get some hot tea uh they then go to a (laughs) shopping mall they they mock the shoppers there they have to go hide in a, in a record store from the security guards uh they try to buy some mojo nixon records uh they don't have any uh then they have to zoom away in her stolen car um it's just it's fun it is it's clever they find a million ways to rhyme the word girl in the most in the most amazing way um <laughs> And even though the object of his affection is a criminal and a miscreant, there is a certain innocence to their courtship that uh, I've always just loved. So uh, I, I will, I will never not love the song "Punk Rock Girl." I love. Haven't the we song. all? Haven't I, we all kind of fallen for the wrong person at some point, though? Over and over again. Like, I almost had a Buzzcock song life. on my list because of that. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's fantastic. I mean, everything the Dead Milkmen did and and do is fantastic. But this song uh, got them some notoriety. I first saw it on Al TV mm-hmm. when Al, Weird Al would uh, take over and DJ for a while, and, and also coincidentally, that's how I discovered Mojo Nixon. Yep. Uh, if you don't know Mojo Nixon, your music channel could use some fixing. <laughs> uh, he don't work here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's a beautiful song, and Joe Jack Talcum, uh, that's where the innocence comes from. Yeah, because yeah. no matter no matter how sardonic or, or uh, cynical he's being, his voice and his I don't think you can really call it a character because it's him, but the the person he is when he's performing, uh, there there's a sweetness to like everything they do, no matter how 
ridiculous or messed up it is and there's and there's always there's a lot of punk bands that kind of have that that dynamic where you have one singer who's a little bit harsher and then you have one singer that's a little bit more sweet and melodic you go back to the clash had joe strummer and you had mick jones and then you have rodney and you have joe jack talcum and, and this band blink 22 does that there's a bunch or not like uh, yeah there's a few there's a few other bands that kind of have that same dynamic that throughout the years and so uh but theirs is so much more because they're not your typical punk rock band they were they were a lot more comedic they were they were they experimented a lot more with like pop music and and stuff and and even some uh some uh electronic music throughout their years so they you know they went in a lot of different directions but this is i mean yes this is their most popular song and i do love pretty much everything they ever did throughout the years but uh there's a reason why this song is is as popular as it is because it is it's it's you can't hear this song and not be in a good mood so uh okay i've got a joke but we've got to make sure that uh everybody has shared their thoughts about punk rock girl i i feel exactly the same way and it wouldn't have occurred to me but Noel, you know how much i love dead milkmen so <laughs> perfect pick and i agree rodney could not have sung this song no no, <laughs> no. it, it no. would not have worked at all it would no. have been very angry about a punk rock girl <laughs> so good choice Noel. uh so to segue the pressure is on you, Beth, and I'm going to be very disappointed if you haven't chosen something from Depressed Commode. <laughs> because you'll well, dance to anything. By the <laughs> By Public Image Limited. I still don't know who Naked Truth is. I have searched for no. 30 years. That band does not exist. I was like, God, am I that lame that I don't know who these bands are? I know who all the other bands are. Uh, no, I picked somebody that i'm surprised did not get picked already but i may get some crap for picking this particular song but you guys had three rounds so tough luck suckers my last pick is Prince, and the song is "I Would Die for You." Mm. On my short list, yeah, okay. on, my, on my list as well. I'm and, sorry, and not not to steal your thunder, but my number one pick got taken by Gary Mitchell in the comments. Oh, nothing compares to you would be my number one on this list. Otherwise, but yes, go ahead. <laughs> I, I know some other people would pick "Purple Rain" or or some such, but "I Would Die for You" is much more upbeat. Um, I mean, if you're watching the movie "Purple Rain." Purple Rain is Wendy and Lisa's song, and he didn't want to play it even. So, yeah. I would die for you is his song. I mean, in movie in the movie at least. Um, I my favorite era of Prince was Prince and the Revolution. I, I'm sorry to to the other people who who liked uh, what's that other band he played with that I didn't like. The New Power, Power Generation? Generation. Yeah, didn't care You're for them. You're out of your mind. Didn't care for them. Sorry. I'm not saying they're better than the revolution, but they're equally as good in a completely different way. Yes. Every every person has an era of Prince that they like. That's one of the great things about Prince. It's why he's up there with Bowie. Every person should like every era of Prince. I'm not saying that I don't like New Power Generation. Rainbow at all. Children is a very underappreciated album. 
Hey, it was that's neither here nor there. If the show had taken a sexier turn and stayed sexy, I would have picked Get Off. (laughs) It was up there. I was like, which which one am I gonna pick? But I went with the sweet song instead. Horny Toad. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fantastic. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. To me, this is the the love song of Purple Rain. It's because because what you're absolutely right. Like he didn't even want to do Purple Rain. It's not even right. a song in the movie. So this is the song. Hundred percent right. Although my Prince pick was seven. Mm, my my Prince pick, song. other than Sinead's cover of Nothing Compares to You, was Sometimes It Snows in April, which is a very tragic kind of love song. Yeah, that's a little different. We we haven't gone as dark as I was afraid we might for this one. <laughs> I toned it down for you, okay? I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't need any tears there's, tonight. There's no Smiths on my list at all. Oh there was almost you. a Smith song on my list, but I, I removed it. Maybe we'll we'll have to find a sad holiday <laughs> to do one of these. What I don't know what a sad holiday is, but we'll find for maybe for Arbor Day. We'll, we'll do depressing, <laughs> depressing Arbor Day or something. Or I don't Earth know. Day. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm just, I'm just saying. My, you guys didn't mention my Prince pick. I'm a little bummed out. I mean, oh, what is, well, you have to mention your Prince. You pick. mentioned your Prince pick. There's, there's one song that Prince did. It's probably head and shoulders above all of them, and that is 1989's "Back Dance." Mm, yeah. <laughs> hey, Ducky, yeah, yeah. let me stick the seven inch in the computer. Yeah. I'm sorry, but yeah, that is actually a really true. good song. I'm sorry. Oh, it's a fantastic <laughs> song. I love that soundtrack so much. And, and really, would, the bottom line is, you could pick any Prince song you wanted. Uh, and and be correct on this episode because every Prince song is about love. As long as he's making us pancakes afterwards, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, it is time now to head into the speed round, which the last couple of times we've done this hasn't really been much different from the regular rounds, <laughs> and that's okay. All right. Uh, let's see here. Oh, I've got to do... I'm going to run my mouth a little bit because I was putting my list together today and I realized that this song, because I, I was at work doing a bunch of stuff for the job, doing a bunch of office work, uh, but also putting my list together. And I realized I could not look this song up on the work computer because I probably would have gotten flagged. Uh, and I still cannot find the date it came out. So screw it. I'm just going to keep going. Uh, my pick for the speed round is. Yeah. And I'll tell you why, baby. Maybe it's time that you know. My love is growing. My love is growing. And I just can't pretend anymore. That's right. It's sexual, baby. Oh, by Mr. Jim Johnston. Mark Henry's theme song, Sexual Chocolate. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There is no denying the quality of this song. Whether you like this as wrestling entrance music or not is irrelevant because... James A. Johnston created a perfect Barry White clone song for the incredibly hilarious Mark Henry gimmick of sexual chocolate. And 
I think it's one of the best theme songs Johnston ever released. Uh, just because one, it was so far outside of what he was doing at the time, because literally every other theme was jing 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 kung 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 jing 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 like you know a Jim Johnston song when you hear it, and this was way different and it really showed that he had more than just those crunchy guitar riffs uh to work with and and i love it it's hilarious and when i think of mark henry even though he's had so many other successes in his career and actually later on came back to really probably have his best run after the sexual chocolate gimmick uh i i just i love it i love that he went along with it it showed uh, this was an instance where, to me, you know, Vince McMahon likes to take people and put them in sort of silly or uncomfortable gimmicks sometimes to test them. And I feel like Mark Henry passed the test with flying colors. And a lot of the thanks for that goes to this eminently enjoyable theme song. Completely agree with you there. Don't forget during this era, too, they paired him with the Godfather because the Godfather had hose. Yes. So- so they, they would tag team and the Godfather would let Mark Henry bang the hose. And then not long after that is when he ended up with Mae Young. And if you ever watch any, like I watched a, um, like an interview with Mark Henry and he said like, that was probably one of his favorite eras, putting aside the given birth to the hand thing. Yeah. Because working with May, he said he learned more about wrestling and the business working with her than anyone else. And she really like took him under his wing and really like, taught him all the little things and that would later lead to him like becoming world champion it was the maze really what helped him get to that level i think the the somebody's gonna get their ass kicked era of mark henry is a direct result of his time with may young at 100 really getting that insight into how to be a badass that he hadn't really had before because he didn't get, yeah. get to spend enough time with ron simmons really uh, under that learning tree by the time he got in the nation it was like he would they it was like over so quick yeah by the time i mean he, he, he nation, and ron so weren't were around each other for for very long and then he kind of got lost like he had like the te- the, the, the team with d low and then he kind of got lost a little bit yeah and then the sexual chocolate came thing and it was like yeah. it was like you said it was it was so good and then they paired him with the godfather during the era even better yeah, i think rock perfect. recruited him right around the time that they were kicking out ron simmons yeah they, yeah. they got the rid went. of um they got rid of uh, the goofy white guys and was savio in at that point savio was savio was that before got kicked out the same time as crush and then it became like the more nation of islam style group Okay. Okay. So yeah, and the, and Rock brought in D'Lo and Mark Henry. Yeah, and then yeah. they got rid of Farouk. I think no, D'Lo had been there for a while, but this oh, was completely <laughs> going into a Just completely different in direction background. than I thought that we he, were going to go. He was this. one of the guys in the hats. <laughs> yes, yes. But that's yeah. a whole other episode. I just wanted to bring up Sexual Chocolate and how uh, fantastic I, that song is. I had actually forgotten about Sexual Chocolate. I've forgotten so much about our stories. <laughs> right how dare you <laughs> I, I always talked to chalk that up to the era that they were they decided that mark henry was a failure because they were paying him a million dollars a year and they just wanted to make him quit so they gave him all of the worst storylines with yeah. may young and cloudy and whichever the other ones were that were and at the time it was sammy it was brutal but looking back 
it's he made still the brutal. Best of it. No, no, it's still brutal. <laughs> <laughs> looking back and at how he handled it and performed, he took it and ran with it. I think. So and kudos he, he, to him for hanging in there and and for doing the best he could with the. And lot he earned his eventual stuff. spot as like a world champion and a hall of yep. famer. Not that wrestling's ever been very politically correct, but that era in particular is really hard to really watch bad. nowadays. Really oh, it's bad. so good, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, some of it. Uh, all right, Bob, what is your speed round, not really speed round pick? <laughs> that was the longest um, injury we've had thus far. Uh, Aqua, Barbie girl. No, 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 I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> totally kidding. I mean, that song's always in my head, but... um. Throwing out another one that no one really probably knows by someone you all know, um, whether it's solo or through Kiss, Paul Stanley is like synonymous with just love songs and ballads and everything like that. And usually with on all the Kiss albums, he's always the guy that had like the ballad and the love song or the song about like the depressing breakup. But uh, 2006, he put out a solo album called Live to Win, one of my favorite things he's ever done. And on that album is a song called Loving You Without You. Why we stay with another Counting days Till we're holding each other I can hear your voice and signs I heard still ring in my ears I can close my eyes and feel beside me um, It's a song about a long-distance relationship. Just It's um just a very sweet, emotional song about finding ways to still... You, you love someone so much, even though you're apart, and you have to make the best of it and just take advantage of every moment you have until you can be together. Just one that I, again, it's, I might not always, I might not seem like the type that would love like a love song like that, but it's probably one of my favorite songs that he's ever written or performed. As much of a Kiss fan as I am, this is one. And again, even if you're just casually familiar with Kiss, you've definitely have never heard this. You're right, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only know Live to Win because it was in a South Park episode. Yeah, that, that's it, it, that's kind of where it got like its release in a way. And then the album came out a few weeks later. Um, it's, a, it's a good album. It's, it's typical Paul Stanley. He doesn't try to change anything. He doesn't do anything different that he wasn't doing otherwise. It's just um, the, the whole album is a lot of like, like romantic, bowdy type songs with like a rock edge to them. But I have to ask, could it possibly be better? Than Kiss's greatest ballad, as sung by one Peter Chris, <laughs> one that I'm sure one of us has not gotten nearly enough of in their lifetime. You know, I used to be really upset uh, that there wasn't a song about me. You know, Sarah had a song, <laughs> <laughs> Melissa had a song. I was so mad I didn't have a song, and then Terry told me I had a song and played it for me, and I was like, God damn it! I wish I didn't have a song again. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Beth, we do hear you calling. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't want to answer. It's fine. <laughs> Noel, what is your uh, non-speed round pick? Mine is actually one that I, I it's a, a great, wonderful love song, but I don't really have a lot to say about it. So it's perfect for a speed round. Uh, mine also from that same era that uh, we were talking about recently in the late 80s.
from the Pixies album Doolittle, La La Love You. Because I'm going to go through all the lyrics right now in front of that are in front of me. <laughs> I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I do. I love you. All I'm saying, pretty baby, la la love you, don't mean maybe. All I'm saying, pretty baby, first base, second base, third base, home run. Repeat. That's the song. And it's aside perfect. from aside from where it got blue at the end, I thought that might be written by Buddy the Elf. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's the only song that uh, Dave Lovering, uh, their drummer, ever ever sang uh, in the in the history of the band, and it's just it's fun and it's upbeat and it's it's sweet and it's got little wolf whistles in it and you know nice little nice little uh, kind of surf guitar and it's it's a, it's a neat little song. All right, excellent little chunk of a pick. All right, Beth, you got to bring us home. You got to you got to hit us with something good to close this thing out. See, my speed round pick was also an actual speed round pick <laughs> where I didn't want to talk for 15 minutes about it because it's just a great song and it stands on its own. And that song is. The cover of Wild Horses by the Sundays. Oh. I'm not a huge Rolling Stones fan, but, and, and honestly, I didn't even like the song by the Stones when it was done by the Stones, but the Sundays version, I love Harry Wheeler's voice. It's just so much prettier and kind of melancholy when sung by her, but so is pretty much anything would be. She could read my grocery list or sing my grocery list and it would be pretty and melancholy. I can't do a Harriet Wheeler impression. Otherwise, I'd be singing about needing spinach and dish soap. Oh, I mean, I think you should give it a try. <laughs> no, no, I won't. <laughs> yeah, this isn't my bag at all, but I love this song. And it was another one that was everywhere because it was what this was like in the midst of the alternative boom, right? Yeah. Kind of right before it got huge. The Sundays were what, 1990, 91 was when they first. And this, I guess this was on their, on their second album. Yeah, this was the second album. Yeah, so but, it, it would have been like what around ninety three ish, nineteen ninety three. Yeah, I think I was still in high school when this we were, came out. That's what I was thinking. We were in high school, so that's when that's when everything was really hitting. Yeah, uh, this is yeah, this is a great. I, I prefer this to the original as well. Yeah, I agree. I actually yeah. never heard the stone. I heard this version first, and then heard the Stones version. I was like, "There's no fucking way Mick Jagger sang that song." <laughs> <laughs> and then, sure enough, I did it. It is legitimately, this is one of those rare cases where it is legitimately two completely different songs. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will say the Sunday's version is like, it's hard to say anything's better than the Rolling Stones, but to me, the, the tone and the temperament of the Sunday's version is, is more appealing. It's more in tune to what the song says. Yes. Yes. Mick Jagger's voice is not in tune to this at all. It just, but it's not he he pulls it off though like it's not does, like it's it's not like it's bad it's just something well it's one of those songs that it's like well if i want if i'm gonna hear this song i would rather hear the sunday's version than the stones version if i want to hear the stones i'll listen to something else agreed well you guys i think that pretty much wraps it up we have put together 
a fine list of 16 of the very best songs with which to woo your partner. Before we go, though. Real quick, let me put you guys all on the spot here. What do you think was the sappiest, cheesiest song of the entire list? Mm, Let's see here. I think uh, I think we let off with it. With the yeah, glory I think of love. so too. Yeah. yeah well, okay. I, it, it comes down to either glory of love or everything I do, I do it for you. One of them yeah. is yeah. The, the cheese fest. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think it's, I think it's you, Dave. Here's well, then that's fine. I'm good. With, <laughs> I'm good with that. Look, if I'm if I'm going, I want to go big. Uh, if you're in the Needless Things podcast Facebook group, let us know which one of those songs is the the sappiest, the cheesiest. Uh, or, well, don't even bother with Twitter because I won't see it. So join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group. Leave us your feedback. Let us know what your favorite love song is. And uh, before we go, you guys, what are you up to? Where can we find you online? Uh, let's start with Bob. You can find me on Instagram at Bob Burke Art. You can find me on Facebook at Bob Burke Art. Glomania is gearing up for another, uh, another good year. Um, world pending. We'll see what the status is. Uh, looking at getting some April May shows out there. Um, can watch my social media for announcements on that soon. Um, admittedly, still haven't been painting much. Still working on my Han Solo that I discussed on here not recently. That's crazy. I'm. I want to say about eighty percent done with it. I'm. I have to do painting on it now, and the weather's kind of killing me here oh, in yeah. Jersey. It's been snowing like every other day, so I can't <laughs> take can't, it outside and spray paint it. You can't go outside a whole lot, huh? <laughs> It's literally snows almost every day here right now. It's horrible. I'm so jealous. No, you want to trade? Yes. Yes. I'll happily come down there. You come up here. There's a reason why my, my, my wife does not live in New Jersey anymore and lives in Georgia. See? She hates, she hates the snow. It's brutal. And it's been like this morning, it was like 17 degrees. Oh my God. It's been a nightmare. Oh no. I love that. It was 64 here today. I hate you all. (laughs) No. What are you up to? Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me, uh, at least once a month. Um, you know where to find me, Dave, cause I'm, I'm talking GI Joe with you on the audible interlude podcast here on the yeah. things network. Uh, so yeah, if you like GI Joe, um, or you're interested or curious about GI Joe, uh, you can check us out, uh, on the audible interlude podcast. Uh, you can also find, uh, a quarter century worth of uh, worth of work on dorkdroppings.com, although it doesn't get updated very often. But uh, that's that's my my old home on the web. And finally, Beth, I believe you've got a, a show as well. What? I don't know what you're. Oh, I'm a co-host of Execute Chapter 66, which is also part of the Needless Things Network. Um, we are a Star Wars fiction podcast where we talk about all the nerdy Star Wars books, well, Star Wars books, that there are. And there are lots of them coming out right now, so tune in. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for uh, coming on and putting everybody in the mood. And uh, we'll be back whenever the next holiday that warrants musical accompaniment comes around. Thanks a lot, you guys. Well, I hope after that, everybody... Is feeling the love. I know I am not feeling any love anytime soon. Thanks a lot, Left Kidney, you sorry bastard. Uh, all right, so please check out the Needless Things YouTube channel. Join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram, Needless Things Podcast, on Twitter. I mean, honestly, don't bother. Uh, 
and, and I wish I was better at, at social media. I wish I knew how to expand my reach, how to get those likes, how to get those those shares out there in front of the right eyes. But only you guys can do that. Only you can share needless things and get the word out to more people. Oh, here's something else worth noting uh, I didn't mention in the intro. So, uh, well, obviously, for the week that I was in excruciating pain, I didn't do a whole lot of DDP yoga, but I'm back on it now. Uh, I'm on kind of a light schedule. Right now, I'm doing three days a week, uh, and it's, it's hard because this medication that I'm on makes me tired and cold and hungry all the time. Like, I've never felt tired like this in my life. So it is a struggle, but I am doing it because I got to keep at it. Uh, so whatever it is in your life that's a struggle, keep at it. Keep doing it. Keep trying hard. Keep working. Uh, just push through. That's all I can say is just keep keep pushing through whatever the negative voice in your head or the negative unescapable factors in your life. Uh, just keep pushing through them because things are going to get better. They are. They always do. And they may get worse again. They will get worse again. But then they'll get better after that. And we just keep this cycle up. And, and try keep a happy face. I love you guys. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.